Welcome back to the Homestyle MMA Podcast. This is Sean Van Buren here for Episode 9. Today we're going to be talking about UFC 277, Pena versus Nunez 2. I absolutely loved this card. I thought it was a great pay-per-view from top to bottom. I thought there were a lot of great fights and some good matchmaking to create some interesting stylistic matchups. The fans in the arena were a little bit bored with the wrestling in the early prelims, but luckily we got that out of the way and got into some really intense striking battles in the main card. I personally appreciated the martial arts taking place from bottom to the top of the card, but the prelims really built on each other, accumulating into two fantastic final fights of the night. We're going to start off with our Bruce Buffer suit watch. Uh, he brought the heat as he always does with pay-per-views on Saturday. He typically breaks out his best stuff for these fights. The shirt was just a plain black, but the suit jacket was fire. Navy blue bow tie, navy blue pants. Inside of the jacket was navy blue, so you could see it on the folds on the front with a nice burgundy red outside on the jacket. It was very, very nice. But with that, let's go ahead and dive into these early prelims. The early prelims started off with Orion Kosi versus Blood Diamond. Now, like I told you guys last week, Blood Diamond, an extremely talented kickboxer, but he does still need to work on rounding out his MMA game. He came out looking great though, a lot of kicks early. He kept his hands low around his waist. The reasoning behind that, I believe, was to be prepared to defend takedowns. And it seemed like a good game plan early on for him because we knew that he struggled on the ground. Blood Diamond made a few mistakes in this fight. You could tell that he's fairly new to the sport of MMA. He's still learning in the cage, but unfortunately learning in the UFC can be tough because mistakes typically are going to cost you wins. He was able to reverse cage control a few times, which is great because he wants to fight from a distance. But the mistake was that he wouldn't separate from the clinch. So he'd get pressed up against the cage. He would work to switch the position so that he would then have his back to the center of the octagon, which is fantastic. But then he would stay engaged in that position instead of breaking distance and getting back to his striking. He had the striking speed advantage, but he allowed the fight to just take place too tight too often. I said last week that Kosi would wrestle, he'd go for takedowns. That's ultimately why he won this fight. We knew that Blood Diamond struggled with takedown defense. Blood Diamond was close to a finish in round two, but he lost a pretty clear decision to me. You can tell that Blood Diamond has raw talent and speed, but he has to work on his technical MMA game. I do think he put on a good enough performance where the UFC might give him one more crack at getting a win, but he needs to win soon or he's going to find himself back down into the smaller MMA circuits. Nikolai Nagumarianu versus Ihor Podieria. This was a really good fight. I actually didn't know that much about Nikolai prior to this matchup, and I thought he put on an excellent performance. He closed as the favorite, but we were able to grab him as an underdog. Just comparatively, looking at their past fight history, looking at kind of their statistics of those past fights, I felt like he should have been the favorite, so we did grab him as an underdog while he was still there. He went to his wrestling very early, but he set up the shot with a nice punching combo. So that's one thing I noticed immediately with Nikolai, is that he mixed his striking and wrestling extremely well. He did a great job throwing shots while grappling to the takedown. He looked very balanced early in the fight, and looked like a very well-rounded MMA fighter. That's going to be a problem for or Ehor, and with all the early wrestling from Nikolai, Ehor just seemed a little tired, a little slower towards the end of round one, and there was still theoretically a lot of fight left to go. Once round two started, Nikolai just let it all go. Ehor was tired, credit Ehor for not going down, but Nikolai did get the standing TKO, and it was a very good stoppage by the ref. He was taking punishment on the feet as Nikolai just unloaded punches at the end. 
And Nikolai looked great. He looked great on the feet. He looked great with his grappling. And we were on the win column with our bets, so I was very happy with it. Nikolai now has four wins in a row in the UFC, and he's due for a larger matchup in his next fight out. Jocelyn Edwards versus Ji-Yeon Kim. This fight went about as I expected. I didn't quite expect too much from these women as far as any real dominant area in this fight. Both women were pretty even on the feet early, but Jocelyn Edwards was doing a good job using a little bit more of a variety in her strikes, and I think that gave her a little bit of an advantage because Kim was just throwing punches for the most part. She had good lateral movement, very good lateral movement, but she wasn't really offering a variety of strikes, so Edwards was kind of able to see the punches coming. Edwards had a lot of volume. She won round one. She was kicking really well, and that continued to give her an edge throughout most of the fight because, again, Kim was just using those punching attacks. Round two was pretty close. I gave the edge to Edwards, but Kim did start to get going in round two. She may have had the more impactful strikes of round two, so it really could have gone either way. But in the third round, Edwards had a big takedown, submission attempt, strong striking. She won that round, no doubt in my mind, to get the scorecards 29-28. The judging throughout the night was a little bit odd. This is the first instance where we were kind of scratching our heads. One judge did give Kim the win, 29-28, which I thought was pretty crazy. I thought it was a pretty clear 29-28 Edwards, but one judge even gave it to 30-27 Edwards. So not sure what that one judge was seeing, but luckily, even with the strange scorecards, I thought the right fighter won this fight. Our last early prelim fight ended up being pretty spectacular. We had Adam Fugit versus Michael Morales. Now, Michael Morales is one of the biggest favorites heading into this fight. I said last week that I was going to grab him by knockout. I did that, and luckily we got to cash that bet. At 23 years old, Michael Morales looked very comfortable in the octagon. He almost looked too comfortable, if you will. He was very confident, almost on the edge of cocky, kind of mocking his opponent. But he does have a lot of power in his hands. You could tell that he loves his right hand. He threw a lot of one-two combos with a straight left jab, followed by a really hard right hand. But Adam Fugit ducked under the right hand, got a takedown early. It was a really nice move uh, because Morales was really feeling his striking pretty much as soon as he stepped into the cage. So by mixing in some wrestling, you can plant that seed in the back of his mind that, hey, keep an eye, I might take you down. Uh, Adam Fugit looked very good early in the fight. It looked like he definitely deserved to be there, even though he was a sizable underdog. Morales does like to put on a show, like I said. It was a lot of dynamic strikes, spinning attacks, Superman punches. But I thought it was a really great fight because these boys were really going at it. A lot of respect to Adam Fugit. Both fighters had their moments, but Morales did get that nice TKO in round three with some really nice and sharp short-range punches. So that shows that he has a lot of power as he's able to put a guy down without having the full range of his punch. That extends Michael Morales's unbeaten streak to 14. Again, all respect to Adam Fugit. He performed very well against the undefeated Michael Morales. I think he definitely deserves another shot in the UFC. He got caught late in this one, but I actually thought he was going to get this one to the scorecards and probably lose on the scorecards. But for a guy who stepped in late, making his UFC debut against an undefeated fighter, I thought Adam Fugit did a great job. Let's go ahead and take a look at those prelims. kicked off with Drakkar Close versus Rafa Garcia, and this was one of the fights we took a little bit of a gamble on, going with Rafa Garcia, the experienced jiu-jitsu specialist. But Drakkar Close just had a good game plan in this fight. Very early on, he was applying pressure. 
He was driving Rafa Garcia backwards, and that's how you slow down a wrestler. It's hard to land takedowns while going backwards. People who train wrestling are used to going forward to get those takedowns, so it's very tough to get a takedown when you're going backwards. Close had some good transitions between his striking and his takedown attempts, but Garcia was just pretty sound defensively early on. It was a pretty good fight through round one, but surprisingly, Drakkar Close actually got takedowns in round one. I thought that that would really benefit Garcia, but then Garcia had the more impactful strikes, so they were opposite fighters in round one than what I typically expected, but I did give Drakkar Close the win in round one. Very close start to the fight. I was a little surprised by how much Drakkar Close wanted to wrestle, just because of the threat that Rafa Garcia had on the ground. He initiated the wrestling situations much more than Rafa Garcia, but Garcia did get a nice double leg takedown in round two. One thing that the announcers were talking about as well, and I tended to agree with, the ref had a pretty early stand-up from that position, which was pretty disadvantageous for Garcia. I think he still won the round going into round three tied up, so it was a very close fight, very even fight, but Garcia did start to look a little tired in round three. Jakar Close he continued to use that pressure that he had in round one as a weapon to find holes in Garcia's defense late in this fight, and I think it took round three to win 29-28. It was a good start to the prelims, and Jakar Close really showed that he has improved with his wrestling and that he could hang with well-rounded MMA fighters. The big boys Dontail Mays versus Hamdi Abdel Wahab. This was a frustrating fight for me to watch as we had money on Dontail Mays, but I was incredibly impressed with Hamdi Abdel Wahab. The big boys were throwing heavy and early in this one. Hamdi would sit down on his punches and he threw with tremendous power. He actually stumbled Dontel Mays with a punch that missed his head and hit him in the shoulder. So that's how you could really tell that Hamdi had serious power. Hamdi Abdel Wahab dropped Mays, jumped on him in round one with a ton of strikes, added a takedown throw onto the end of it. It was all very impressive and very heavy Hamdi's way in round one. The early action did make the big boys a little bit tired as the fight drew on, but they never lost their power. Hamdi looked like he had the power advantage, and Mays was just not using the length to his advantage at all. He had a huge reach advantage, but he was not using the jab efficiently. Whenever Maze threw punches, he'd find himself in Hamdi's range as well, so Hamdi would throw aggressively hard counter strikes right back at him. So anytime Maze got in, would land a shot, land something big, Hamdi would be right there to counter. Now, Mays did land some pretty big shots, and his left hand closed up Hamdi's eye in round two, but the guy had incredible fight, never gave up, fought through probably some blurry vision, probably couldn't see that well, but was able to keep going. Mays did use body kicks very effectively in round two. That started to turn Hamdi's ribs pretty red. I did say last week that I wanted Mays to use a lot of body kicks in this fight. He kind of just did it in round two. He needed to keep it going throughout the fight. He threw them in round three, but they were getting pretty sloppy as he got tired. Mays did some kind of weird, terrible takedown attempt late in round two, and Hamdi actually got on top. So there was a chance that Hamdi won round two as well, but I still gave it to Mays. But the energy was just fading for Dontail Mays. Hamdi got a pretty easy takedown to start round three, and he's definitely a legit fighter. I did say his previous opponents, they may have been 1-9. and nine. I think they showed on the screen his previous 12 or so opponents were about 500. But he was very good. He was very impressive. He was very smart. He's got a ton of power in his hands, and he's an elite wrestler. I mean, the guy is going to be a problem in this division. I was very impressed with Hamdi, very disappointed in Dontel Mays. Mays had a lot of size advantages heading into this fight. He didn't fight behind his jab. He didn't use his length to his advantage. And he threw some very non-technical jumping strikes that would just miss, and then he'd be way out of position and wide open for counter strikes. Hamdi was very balanced. 
and he made sure to punish Mays for his mistakes. I won't sleep on Hamdi Abdelwahab again, and let's make sure we keep an eye on that name going forward. Drew Dober versus Rafael Alves. This fight absolutely delivered, and putting this fight after the heavyweight fight was so smart because these guys looked like they were lightning fast. Alves would kind of lunge in with his punches, and then he started to switch that lunge punch into a takedown, and it caught Dober by surprise. Like I said last week, neither of these guys are very good defensively on the ground, so Alves being on top was a big advantage for him, and Alves had a ton of speed early, which helped him offensively and defensively. He would land his shots, jump in, jump out, make Dober miss a lot in round one. It was very impressive. Alves looked very fast. But in round two, Dober made the adjustment and brought the pressure to Alves. And he started controlling the center of the octagon. That started to wear down Alves' speed. He had to kind of circle a lot more as he got pressed up against the cage. And Dober just kept Alves pinned along that fence. It was a thrilling fight. Alves was rejuvenated a little bit after an eye poke pause for an exciting round two. You could kind of feel that this fight was building up to something. That something came in round three. Dober landed a vicious left hook to the body of Alves that just crumpled him for the knockout victory. It was a great fight for the fans. It was a ton of action, a lot of excitement. The crowd was getting impatient with the wrestling from earlier in these fights. I thought it was very impressive from the start, but you could feel them starting to get into this fight, and it started to bring the fans in and bring the energy up in the arena. I told you last week that I thought this fight would not go the distance as well, and it most surely did not. Drew Dober also cashed the first leg of our homestyle perfect plate parlay. Prelims ended with Alex Morono versus Matthew Semmelsberger, and Semmelsberger definitely had the speed advantage early, but Alex Morono did a great job with his movement. If you want to look at what the definition of a technical striker is, you'd probably find Alex Morono in there as the definition. Everything with his hands held high, straight back to defense. He made sure to jump in and out with his strikes. He did a very good job checking kicks early. He's just a very sound fighter. He didn't do anything super exceptionally well. He just does nothing poorly. This was another very evenly matched fight. Morono landed a nice clinch elbow to the eye of Semmelsberger to open him up. Started to get the blood going. That swollen eye went viral on social media because that thing pretty much shut. But Semmelsberger was able to keep the fight going by, I think, probably making a guess for what finger the in-ring doctor was holding up when they put a pause in the action. But Moreno was looking sharp. Round one, round two. In round two, Alex was landing where he would strike first, but he was also landing with his counter strikes. It was looking very smooth on the feet. The swelling on that left eye of Matthew Semmelsberger was starting to look really rough in round two. You have to imagine his vision was extremely compromised. And Alex is, like I said, a very smart fighter. He knew Matthew Semmelsberger's left eye is swollen. I'm going to throw a lot of right hands because he literally cannot see them coming with his eye swollen shut. In round three, Semmelsberger knew what he had to do. He knew he was losing two rounds to none. And he came out guns blazing in round three, trying to get a comeback win. He landed a switch knee on Morono, dropped him, jumped on him. All the prelims were phenomenal fights, including this one. I thought they really built up to this last prelim fight. And you have to respect the effort from Semmelsberger, but Alex Morono's technical fight IQ got him another decision victory. Let's go ahead and take a look at that main card. card started off sad if you're an Anthony Smith fan. Magomed Ankalaev versus Anthony Smith. This was our longest long shot of the night going with Anthony Smith out of respect for Anthony Lionheart Smith. And to start this fight, both men really respected each other's power. Very early on, they were exchanging leg kicks, but still measuring their distances. Smith was working a lot of feints early, including uppercut feints. 
likely to fend off potential takedown attempts. It was a very high-level chess match, as both men were doing a lot of feints early and often, and you could kind of feel the tension of the fight as they were slowly figuring out openings, where they needed to attack. It was a super close first round, and I do wish Smith had gone for a takedown. I said that last week. Please wrestle, please wrestle, please wrestle. By the time he tried, it seemed like he was already compromised. He fell with 30 seconds left. He rode out that position in round one. So he finished round one on his back. So they might have given that round ankle live to some judges. And Smith really can't afford to give away close rounds. So when he did kind of fall to his back at the end of the first round and let it ride out, I don't really know what he was thinking. He's a very smart fighter, but he essentially said, you can have this round. We found out when he went back to his corner, he said ankle to his coaches, some kind of ankle injury, but he finally went for a takedown in round two. The ankle injury was just too much. He just couldn't get the takedown done. Ankalaev ended up on top and just started pulverizing Anthony Smith. Ankalaev got the TKO victory, and he should probably be fighting for a light heavyweight title soon. He's on a nine-fight win streak. The problem is, like a lot of these Bigger divisions, heavyweight, light heavyweight, even middleweight, if you will. They're kind of clogged up at the top with a lot of the same guys or guys that all think they should have the title shot next. So everyone's kind of just waiting around. We'll see what happens with the light heavyweight division. Unfortunately, I think Nikolaev might have to fight one more time. But I don't know if there's any light heavyweights ranked above him that could beat him right now. He's very strong, very well-rounded fighter. As far as Anthony Smith's concerned, I feel like this could be the end of Anthony Smith. He does have a commentary gig lined up now. He's been fighting for a very long time. After the fight, Anthony Smith said his leg was broken. So if so, that could be too much of a rehab to bounce back from at this point in his career. Could be a very sad ending to the career of Anthony Smith, but we'll have to see what happens once we get some x-rays. Alexandre Pantoja versus Alex Perez. I put on verdict, first round submission, Alexandre Pantoja. I thought that he should have had a title fight by now. He thought he should have had a title fight by now. I knew he was going to come out guns blazing and prove a point that he is here. He is in the flyweight division. And these guys went at it right away. They were trading punches early. They started swinging on each other right when the first bell rang. And then Pantoja was able to get to Perez's back. As soon as he took his back, I knew that was it. Alexandre Pantoja is an excellent submission artist. He took his time. He knew that Perez had not been in a UFC fight in over two years. So he jumped on him right away, got him rattled immediately, started working his neck, started cranking Alex Perez's neck immediately. He didn't even get the choke fully under the chin. He just had the body lock on his back while Alex Perez was standing, got the arm around the chin, and just started cranking it. And you could tell he put everything he had behind this neck crank. Pantoja had a beautiful first round submission finish. Just like we predicted in Verdict before the fight, Pantoja's the real deal. Like I said, I was shocked when he didn't get a title shot after his last win. And this guy's jiu-jitsu is some of the most elite in the UFC. Flyweights need to be aware. Pantoja is hunting for that title. This was exceptional. Unfortunately, because of the interim flyweight fight that took place later on in this night, I think Pantoja probably is going to have to win one more before he gets a title shot. So we'll see another fired up Pantoja. But at some point, you got to give this guy a title shot. So we'll see what happens. He came out locked in on finishing this fight immediately, and he got it done. Excellent game plan, perfect execution, and another leg of our homestyle perfect plate parlay was victorious. Big boys, Derek Lewis versus Sergey Pavlovich. Derek Lewis got a good pop from the crowd as he currently trains down in Texas. It looked like two giants in the cage when these two stepped in the octagon. They were two huge men coming in after the speedy flyweights, and there was a lot of weight on those mats. Derek Lewis... Got the crowd going. Everybody loves the Black Beast. And as hard as it was, we went with Pavlovich in this one. I love the Black Beast as well. He is the UFC knockout 
king, but this fight was over very quickly once they started exchanging. But you kind of knew that with guys this big with this much knockout power. I don't even know if I thought it was even going to leave the first round unless they sat there and were super patient with each other. I just didn't expect that from these two fighters in this fight. Sergey got the knockout win in the first round for another verdict prediction nailed all the way through. It looked like maybe a fast stoppage live, but I also think that Derek Lewis wasn't going to bounce back from the ground without taking some massive damage from Sergey. Sergey Pavlovich was just leaning on top of him throwing punches when that fight was stopped. Was Derek Lewis out yet? I don't think so. I think he might have lost his footing and fell down as opposed to getting like knocked out and regaining consciousness. But there was no way he was going to get up from the ground without getting absolutely pummeled. The crowd rained down tons of booze during Sergey's post-fight speech, but I'll put some respect on his name. The guy's a heavy hitter. I would like to see someone test his wrestling a bit at some point. We know he can throw punches. I'm not sure how well he can actually wrestle, though. But hey, he keeps on winning, keeps on moving up in the heavyweight division. He's a very active fighter, and he took almost no damage tonight, so he could continue with his fast turnarounds if he chooses. Derek Lewis will have another top 10 fight next. I mean, Derek Lewis will be fighting in the UFC as long as he wants to. It was a little bit of a weird stoppage. He seemed excited to fight again leading up to this fight, so I don't think Derek Lewis is going to retire. But it was a very unfortunate ending for him. He will have another main card fight next. Like I said, Derek Lewis isn't going anywhere. That guy's going to fight in the UFC until he decides to hang him up. With that, let's go ahead and dive into our co-main event. Co-main event was pretty fantastic. We had Brandon Moreno versus Kai Kara France for the interim flyweight title. I think everybody was excited for this fight. Everybody knew it would be... An edge-of-your-seat thrilling fight from start to finish for however long it lasted. I was a little bit surprised at how much they just kind of felt each other out in round one. The fight started a little slow, which surprised me for guys that have such high volume and such fast pace. But Kaikara France got the kicks going early in this one, which was nice. He used very efficient kicks, and Brandon Moreno was doing his best to dodge them, but when they landed, they were pretty hard. It was almost like in round one that each guy was a little bit surprised of the other guy's speed. Uh, so it was very interesting. These are very high skill fighters in this one. They're both going to be around the top of the division for a long time going forward. But the crowd was really into this fight, which just added to the intensity. It was a very close first round. I think I was leaning Moreno in round one, but Kai probably had the largest impact shots. So pretty close. I gave it to Moreno for his higher volume. But again, very close fight, very evenly skilled fighters. Brandon Moreno had nice clinch control in round two, threw some nice elbows. Kai Car France continued to land very heavy leg kicks. These guys were very well balanced against each other. You know that at City Kickboxing, Kai Car France have been training a ton of those leg kicks with teammates and champions Alex Volkanovsky and Israel Adesanya. Another very close round with round two. I gave the edge to Brandon Moreno because he had some great movement in round two to make Kai Car France miss a lot of shots. That was kind of tough to tell watching it live, but I did notice that Brandon Moreno was using efficient movement. It was a very close fight, though, and I was wondering when those leg kicks would start to pay off for Kaikara France. Each time you land one of those kicks, it's a deposit for later on in the fight. Unfortunately, the fight didn't get far enough for Kaikara France to cash in on those deposits. Kaikara France got a takedown in round three, and I thought it was a pretty weird decision. I thought he was fighting pretty well on the feet. I thought he should have kept it there. But it turns out it worked out because he was able to use that position to open up a cut on Brandon Moreno under the right eye. Kai Car France got the blood going, started to land his strikes really well in round three, and he was pulling Moreno into a dog fight. Problem was, Brandon Moreno's got that dog in him too. Brandon Moreno landed a hard body kick with his left leg that dropped Kai Car France 
Moreno jumped on him and got the knockout victory. The kick was brutal. It was loud. The fans loved it. The ribs on Kaikara France were already a deep red when they raised Moreno's hand. And it was an impressive win for Moreno as he was the interim flyweight title champion. Looks like we're getting another fight with Figueredo. Personally, I don't mind it at all because those two guys are such elite fighters. You know it's going to be another fantastic fight. And Brandon Moreno cashed the homestyle perfect plate parlay final leg. Our last fight of the night was the women's bantamweight title fight rematch, Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes 2. And this fight was surprising, but I guess maybe it shouldn't have been. Amanda looked much bigger than Juliana Pena in this rematch. Both women were very measured in this fight, making sure to throw offense with defense right behind it for the counters. They were fairly cautious in round one. The biggest story of this fight was that Amanda fought Southpaw, which was an interesting adjustment from the first fight, but it paid off very well. I don't know what they saw in their film study from the first fight or whenever it was, but they thought that if Amanda went Southpaw, it would make the difference on the feet, and it very clearly did. It caught Juliana Pena way off guard, and the short lead right hook that Amanda threw all night long did a ton of damage to Juliana Pena. Both women were throwing leather in round one. Pena's coaches were calling for clinch in round two to counter Amanda in the southpaw. It was all about trying to figure out this southpaw Amanda Nunes. Juliana came out in round two with a lot more feints and a slightly lower stance, so you thought that she'd maybe start to shoot for something, but Amanda dropped Pena early in round two with that lead right hand then knocked her clean off her feet with another counter right hand. Then she dropped her a third time with a straight left hand, and I gave Amanda a 10-8 in round two. It was a dominant round, dropped her three times. It was the first time anyone had been dropped three times in, I believe, a women's UFC fight, but that could be for any UFC fight, to be honest. Juliana Pena, incredibly tough, because most other fighters would have stayed down after being dropped that many times in one round, but she kept on getting up. She is truly a fighter. Amanda got a takedown in round three, and Juliana was working very hard for submissions on the ground. Amanda used that top position, though, to rain down elbows. I had another 10-8 for Amanda in round three because of the top control and the damage as she started to open up Juliana Pena. In round four, it was much of the same. Amanda got a fast takedown. It's a risky game for Amanda to play because Juliana is very good at submissions, and she was constantly going for him. She knew she was down in the fight. She was going for any submission she could try to get. She almost had an armbar locked in at round four, but Juliana Pena had almost no strikes, if not zero, in round four, so I gave another 10-8 to Amanda Nunes, and the Lioness was mauling Juliana Pena in this one. Juliana could not be put away. She did not stop trying to win this fight. The announcers were telling us the whole time, that is Juliana. We all knew that coming into this fight, and she truly has the heart of a warrior. You have to give a lot of credit to Juliana Pena for that, but she did also take a tremendous amount of damage. Amanda Nunes wanted to prove a point with this fight by beating Juliana on the ground, and she beat her on the feet hard for two rounds, and then beat her on the ground for the last three. The GOAT takes back her crown. I had Amanda winning by a staggering 50-41 to 41 scorecard. I believe after the first round, I had 10-8s for Amanda across the board. She was amazing. Props to Juliana Pena. She never stopped trying, but Amanda showed that she's the greatest ever for a reason. Let's go ahead and review those bets. I'll quickly run through the bets as we had a pretty great night. Orion Kosi versus Blood Diamond started with a loss, but we won Nikolai Nagumarianu versus Ihor Potieria. 
as an underdog. We grabbed him early, so we got that impressive win via the TKO. Jocelyn Edwards, we won versus Ji Yeon Kim. And Michael Morales, we did grab him by knockout for minus 150. We got that win as well against Adam Fugit, who had a good performance. In the prelims, Dracar Close versus Rafa Garcia. We lost Rafa Garcia, money line plus 190 as an underdog. We lost Dante Mays, minus 165, versus Hamdi Abdel Wahab. We won Drew Dober versus Rafael Alves, minus 225 on Drew Dober. He had that nice body knockout shot. Alex Morono, money line, plus 138. We won versus Matthew Semmelsberger, and that took us into the main card. Our main card bets were pretty good outside of the flyer. We took on Anthony Smith, plus 360. He lost against Magomed Ankalaev. That was a pretty big underdog, so I can't be too upset about that. But then we rattled off a whole bunch of wins to end our night. We won Alexandre Pantoja versus Alex Perez. Pantoja money line, minus 165. We won Sergei Pavlovich, minus 115 against Derek Lewis. We won Brandon Moreno, minus 200 versus Kaikara France. And we won Amanda Nunes, Moneyline, minus 275, the Lioness versus Juliana Pena. All in on the night, we went 9 for 4 with our fight bets and finished up 2.62 units. We're headed in the right direction, and so was our Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay. The Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay, Drew Dober, Alexandre Pantoja, and Brandon Moreno all to win was plus 247. We got that locked in, and now the Homestyle Perfect Plate Parlay was only down half a unit. Let's see how our night went on Verdict and our Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards. With our success on the main card on Saturday, we had a pretty good night on Verdict. We received a bronze trophy for being the top 60%. We missed out on points with Smith over Ankalaev, but we got Pantoja by first round submission and Pavlovich by first round knockout, both spot on predictions. We got points for Brandon Moreno winning and Amanda Nunez winning, but we had the methods and rounds incorrect. Still a lot of green on the scorecards to get us a bronze trophy. The Homestyle MMA Podcast Awards, we have early prelims, prelims, and main card. So our smooth buttery biscuits early prelims performance of the night is going to Nikolai Nagumarianu. I thought he had a great performance. Our mac and cheese prelims performance of the night is going to Hamdi Abdel Wahab. Hamdi, I should have had more respect on you heading into this one. You are truly a good fighter and someone to keep an eye on with both your power and your wrestling. And our chicken and dumplings main card performance of the night. How could I give it to anyone other than Amanda Nunes? She was absolutely dominant in a title fight. Truly impressive. Maybe what we should have seen the first time these two women faced, but Juliana bested her that night and Amanda would not allow herself to lose two nights in a row. Let's take a look at our final thoughts. Final thoughts on our main card fighters. I think Magomed Ankalaev should be fighting for the light heavyweight title next, but if we're being honest, he's probably not. He's probably going to have to win one more due to the logjam at the top of that division. Alexandre Pantoja is facing a similar situation. He'll probably face Kaikar France next to determine who gets to fight the championship winner of Brandon Moreno versus Figueiredo next. Sergei Pavlovich needs another top five heavyweight matchup, I think, to keep his momentum going. Brandon Moreno versus Figueiredo 4 is up next for us, which will just be another excellent fight, just like the previous ones. I don't think us fans will get tired of those two fighting ever. It's always exciting, a lot of action. Amanda Nunes is still the queen of the women's bantamweight jungle. Watching the first two rounds of the fight, 
maybe two and a half rounds. I was thinking about how great a trilogy fight would be with Juliana Pena. But by the end of the fight, I actually didn't think so because of how badly Amanda Nunes dominated this fight. In the post-fight presser, Amanda said she could have finished the fight, but she wanted to punish Juliana for five rounds. I gotta say, I think I believe her with how dominant she was in every position. And Amanda Nunes is the GOAT. As always, please bet responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call your state's hotline. Please go follow at the Homestyle MMA Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, and at Homestyle MMA Pod on Twitter. Check out the Homestyle MMA Podcast.podbean.com for additional information about the podcast and where you can listen. I'll continue to grow content on social media as we get further into this podcasting journey. We've had a lot of interaction with Verdict. They shared our picks before the fight again this week on Instagram. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, and review. Later this week, we'll be taking a look at UFC Fight Night Santos versus Hill, but also our first time covering the PFL. PFL playoffs for the lightweight and light heavyweight divisions start next Friday. I'm very excited to start with the PFL and the different league that they offer to MMA fighters, so we're very excited to cover PFL fights. We'll be doing that in Thursday's episode as well. This was the Homestyle MMA Podcast. My name's Sean Van Buren. Have a good one.